introduce Pastor Paul Geerling to you. Okay, he's just been here speaking to, to our leaders over the weekend. He's a phenomenal preacher. He's been yeah. in ministry for 30 years, planted a church Amazing. with his wife, Joe, 17 years ago. Uh, and uh, since then, has now got 13 different locations who are part of his church wow. called I See Church, as in I, not see. I, let us see, but I see, okay? <laughs> I see, a visionary church. Uh, he is, he's a renowned preacher around the world, been very involved in youth ministry for a lot of time and uh, really well loved and respected. And Pastor Paul, I, we just loved having you yesterday. There's a kindred spirit Incredible. with you and our church. Yes. And he's got a real prophetic anointing. And so he's going to preach something to us this morning that's going to help us. So can we, Melbourne and Sunny Coast, stand to our feet yeah, and put on. our hands together. Welcome, awesome. Pastor Paul. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus this morning. Let's give him a shout of praise. Thank you, Lord. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Give someone a high five as you take your seats this morning. And it's great also to be here on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, well, I don't know how you guys just survive. It's such a beautiful place. And uh, it was a great trip up the freeway from Brisbane. But we also want to welcome the Melbourne campus and the location down there and and uh, there, I, I used to live in that part of Melbourne. I was born in Upper Ferntree Gully Hospital, lived in the basin. And so they love me because I am a Victorian. So thank you. Um, but great. But what a great day yesterday. Uh, if you missed out, the big day out, Leadership Day and the impartation was fantastic. And I just want to honour your pastors, Pastor John and Danny. You've got great leaders of this church, great leaders. And I can tell... Uh, Thank God for everything that's happened at this point, but I feel it's like ground zero. Let's dream again for the next season. Amen. Do you believe that? Fantastic. And thanks, Musos and the worship team, and appreciate all you've done. You've been fantastic. You can take your seat, and uh, it's great. This is a great, great church, and I'm really honored to be here with you today, and I love the opportunity to preach the Word because I believe there's something supernatural happens when we proclaim God's Word. It's a seed that doesn't come back void. Amen. And uh, it's a beautiful pulpit. I got one just like this. And I remember about a couple of years back, I was actually preaching in a church in Melbourne. And, and uh, I remember before I was that week, I, I said to my wife, I said, I think I'm having a midlife crisis. And she said, what do you mean? She said, well, every time I go to read the Bible, last probably four weeks, I just can't, after 30 seconds, I just get disorientated. I just get discouraged. I, just, I can't focus on the Word. And, and, I, and she goes, oh, we'll just pray a little bit. So I started praying. I think, am I having a midlife spiritual crisis? And, and that weekend, we went to Melbourne, and, and I was preaching, and I came off the stage, and my wife goes, you're not having a spiritual crisis. She said, you were preaching and reading the Scripture like this. I think you just need glasses. And so I went to the optometrist on Monday, and by the next week, I, suddenly I could read the Bible again. It was all... Most of your problems aren't spiritual, they're just practical. And remember, it's the, your wife is the fourth person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, wife. And if you listen to that, you'll go far in life. And all the women said, amen. 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 Franklin Delano Roosevelt is the 32nd president of the United States. And um, in his first inaugural address on the nation in radio in 1933, it was in the Great Depression. In Australia, one in every three men and women were unemployed. In America, the same. Over 30% of the US population was unemployed. And he was using a technology had never been used before. He began to speak to the nation on the radio, or the oldies say, the wireless. And let me, let me just read a part of his speech. He said, so first of all, 
let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. I want to challenge you, church, this morning that fear is a tool that the enemy will use to cripple your life. Fear steals your joy. Fear will paralyze your destiny. And fear will imprison your hopes and dreams for you and for your family. Fear will stop you stepping out and launching out when God speaks to you in your life. But guess what? The Bible says very clear things about this. 2 Timothy 1.7, you know the scripture. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. So therefore, fear doesn't come from God. It comes from the enemy, the pit of hell itself. You see, fear restricts our life, but faith expands our life. And fear right around the world right now is causing people to be crippled in their lives. And as Christians here at Powerhouse this morning, we're not building our lives on a foundation of sand. So when the storms come, a house comes, we're building our lives on the rock that is Jesus Christ. So the storms will come and the storms will go. But if your life is built on the rock, you will be standing after the winds and waves are beaten against you. So church this morning, at the beginning of 2023, we need to be encouraged. We're going to make it. We're going to prosper. We're going to go forward. And it doesn't matter what happens in Asia and China or in the Ukraine. God is on the move. And your life and this church is built on the rock that is Jesus. Can I have an amen this morning? You know, uh, a great friend of mine, Pastor Shane Willard, he said when he first came to Australia, he was amazed at how big things were. He went to an outback cattle station that was bigger than the nation of Belgium or bigger than the state of Connecticut or Massachusetts combined. And he said, I was on this station as an American, being quite ignorant about it. And this, this station master, this, or in Americans would say ranch, cattle ranch, but it was, a, it was a farm station. He said, he took me on this tour. They went on a helicopter, they went on ATV, they were driving around. He said, after about an hour and a half on this tour, being in the chop, he said, I just got a question to ask. I can't see any fences. And he said, well, guess what? When you have good wells, you don't need fences. And I want to tell you, I believe this church is a great well. And you know what? We don't want to see any fences. And I want to encourage us at the beginning of this year, my word to you is this, it's time to dig. Not like the castle, dad, I dug another hole, but it's time for us to dig. Genesis 26, verse 1, if you've got your Bibles there this morning. There was a famine in the land. Besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went to Abimelech, the king of Philistines, in Gerah. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. For you, to you and your descendants, I will give all these lands. I'll perform the oath which I swore to my Abraham, your father, and I'll make your descendants multiply as the stars of the heaven. I will give your descendants all these lands, and in your seed of all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Because Abram obeyed my voice and kept my charge and my commandments, my statutes and my laws. So Isaac dwelt in Gerah. Then let's move up to verse 12. Because what happens right now is a massive famine, a massive drought comes to the land. We go on to Genesis 26, verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. I love this scripture. What I love about the scripture, firstly, yes, there's a miracle of a hundredfold return. That's a good miracle. Who would say, give me a wave, you think it's a good miracle? But even the greater miracle was, 
in the middle of a famine, in the middle of the drought, when everyone had their Massey Ferguson or the John Deere tractors in the shed, Isaac got his out. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't looking at the, spirit, uh, the, the weather climate around him. He wasn't looking at the ground. You know, I don't know if you've been in a drought. My, my, I live in a farm in Cuneo. I grew up in a town of 2,000 people, 10,000 cows. And when the ground gets really dry on a drought up to five or six, it's like concrete. It begins to open up. You can't plant seed in it. In the middle of a drought that had gone for many years, the great miracle here is Isaac heard the voice of the Lord and started sowing in a season of drought. The man began to prosper, verse 13, and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. That's a good scripture. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Now he and the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, and, I, and then they had filled them with earth. And when Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you're much mightier than we. Then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerah and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they dug in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Then also Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water. There's a theme here. But the herdsmen of Gerah quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, This water is ours. So he called the name of the well Esek because they had quarreled with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So he called it named Sitna, and he moved from there and dug another well. And they did not quarrel over it, so he called it Rehoboth, because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Then he went up there to Bathsheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same one and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you. And I will multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called the name of the Lord. And he pitched his tent there. And Isaac's servants dug another well. At first, Isaac was digging the well. Now everyone's catching on. Everybody's digging wells. They're going after water. I'm going to go down a couple of verses here just for time's sake. Verse 30, and he made a feast and they ate and drank and they rose early in the morning and swore an oath to one another and Isaac sent them away. And it came to pass that the servants of Isaac came and told him about a well which they had dug and they said, we have found water. So we called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of this city is Beersheba to this day. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I pray in this short time that we have, Lord, I pray that my words would not be vain repetitions of a man, but they'd be supernatural seeds that we planted in people's heart, brought tenfold, hundredfold, thousandfold return. Lord, I pray that we'd walk out of this place different because we encountered your presence in worship. We encountered your word preached in faith and we encountered the encouragement of fellow believers. Give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Come on, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to realize the last three years on planet Earth have been crazy. It's been insane, especially if you live in Melbourne. Who would think a COVID pandemic would go three years? Three years of craziness, three years of restrictions. And like I said early in this message, fear brings restriction, but faith is the opposite. It brings expansion in our world. And I'm going to say this, I am sick of the prophets of doom. I've had enough of the peddlers of fear, and they're mainly on Facebook, Instagram, and social media. And we as a church, we as Christians need to break out of a fear mentality, a lockdown mentality, and walk in a faith mentality, because that's the Bible mentality. And the way we do that is we're going to get busy. It's time to dig. 
It's time to contend. It's time to fight for God's promises over your life, fight for God's promises over your family, and fight for God's destiny over C3 Powerhouse Church. Wells are amazing. Wells speak of life. Wells speak of fruitfulness. Wells speak of growth. Wells speak of the center of the city. You know, when you founded a city or a new settlement, it would either be on a riverbank or you would dig a well so that there would be life despite what the circumstances and the seasons and the natural wars, you had water to bring life. Wells are reliable despite the seasons and the environment that may be around you. So you can have a well of living water flowing out of your spirit. doesn't matter how bad it is on the outside because you're connected to God on the inside. Can I have an amen? So my challenge to you this morning is, are you ready to dig a well? Redig the old wells of your life that you did at the beginning when you first were saved and dig some new wells for the new promises that God has for us. Are we ready to fight for God's promises over our family and over our church? We're going to redig some old wells that the enemy's filled in. And I feel that for many people through, we came out of COVID, it's like, is 2023 really going to be the year that... We're not going to have some craziness in this COVID thing happening. I remember last year, I was so excited. Got to January, had all my year planned out in church. I was pumped and ready to go. And then Omicron came and just went to the pieces. I was getting frustrated because the devil's trying to fill up your well. He's trying to block up your well, fill it with rubbish, disappointment, delay, discouragement, depression, discontent, distance. But I want to encourage you, the Holy Spirit wants to clean out your well personally. He wants to clean out the well of the church, clean up all the muck that's built up us over this season that we've walked through so that we can tap into fresh water from God. We're going to dig some old, redig the old wells, but we're going to redig some new wells as well. And how do you redig the old wells in your life? It's pretty simple. Get into prayer. Get into the Word. Come to the house of God. It's not an online experience. If God was online, he wouldn't have come from heaven to earth and died on the cross. Just done online. There's something about being in the room, amen? But maybe the devil's blocked your flow and he wants you to tap into the life-giving water which was once your strength. Unblock the well. Let the rivers of living water flow. Press down, shaking together, running over. It's time to redig the old wells of the church. I'm so excited. Pastor is calling a prayer meeting every Tuesday. That's how you redig the old wells and redig the new wells. It begins in prayer, the prophetic word. What unfulfilled prophetic words are over this church that are yet to be fulfilled? It's time to shake off the spiritual atrophy and dig some new wells in the Holy Spirit. Dig some new wells for a greater season. It's time to pioneer new things in the church, new skills, new people, new technology, new locations, new challenges, new wine, new oil. Behold, what does the Bible say? Hey, I'm doing a new thing. Do you see it? Do you perceive it? It springs up. New wells will get you out of your comfort zone, out of your familiar territory. New wells for your kids and your grandkids. New wells for this church. And I only know one way to dig new wells in the spirit. It's on your knees. It's lifting your hands and getting into God and worship. It's getting into the Word. So I just want to give you a couple of things about digging wells this morning if you're taking notes. And for all these Melbourneites, I'm speaking slowly so you can understand, okay? It's time to dig some wells. Number one is this. Why do you need to dig wells? So you can prosper in a time of famine. There was a famine in the land, verse 1. Besides the first famine in the days of Abraham. Verse 12, then Isaac sowed in that land and he reaped in the same year, in the middle of a famine, a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Then the man began to prosper and he continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Everyone say prosperous. 
I love that. He planted the seed in the middle of a famine. He kept sowing in hard times. He kept sowing in difficult times. I want to encourage you this morning. God does not work to the world's economy or your unsaved family's opinion. This world is evil. This world is depraved. This world is full of lies and false truths. But guess what? It doesn't matter. We're living in a different economy. We can still prosper about how dark the world gets. People go, it hasn't been this bad. It's so bad. The world, mate, have you imagined being a Christian in the middle centuries or the medieval times? Oh, it's been so bad. It's, I've never been this bad. Never. Did you live through the Great Depression or World War II when 70 million people died in six years? The world's always been bad. It's just that we lived in Australia the last 33 years and had so much prosperity as Christians, we've forgotten we need God. It's always been in times if you're a Christian in the Middle East or Syria, been under persecution. I want to encourage you today. The world's always been bad, but God has always been good. So we don't need to be afraid. We will prosper and be healthy in an immoral and unhealthy world. Your family can prosper in an ungodly education system. Our kids can grow up knowing Jesus with a passion and having a healthy self-esteem, even if social media is predatory and shallow. The church will prosper in Australia in any famine. The church will prosper in a spiritual famine. The church will prosper in an economic famine. The church will prosper in a moral famine. The church will prosper in economic famine. God's people can prosper. Your business, this church will prosper in a moral famine. Our marriages can prosper in a moral famine in a nation and be an advertisement to the unsaved. The way your children, your grandchildren, under a famine of ungodly leadership and government, the church will prosper. Under persecution, all through the scriptures and all through China, the church thrives under persecution and prospers. Under fascism, the church can prosper. Under dictatorships, the church can prosper. Under slavery, the children of Israel prospered and multiplied in Egypt. Under totalitarianism, under Caesar in Rome, the church prospered. Under unjust kings in England, William Tyndale wrote the scriptures, it prospered. Under theocracies in Iran, the church is prospering. Under communism, the church can prosper. Under socialism, the church can prosper. Under persecutions from other religions, the church is prospering in India in Sri Lanka, in Syria, in Iraq. Under capitalism, the church will prosper. Under democracy, the church will prosper. Under postmodernism, the church will prosper. Under pantheism, the church will prosper. Under a Labour government, a Liberal government, even God-forsaken Greens, the church will prosper. In a famine, you will always prosper because God is God. God's not intimidated by man's opinions and laws. He's not bowing down to governments or political thought or groupspeak. God's not worried about being cancelled. He's God. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the strong Son of God. If you believe that, you'll stand your feet for a moment. Let's give God a 30-second praise back. He's King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. He's the Savior of the world. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the bright and morning star. He's the King of Kings. He's the Prince of Peace. He's Emmanuel. Go with us. Come on. Give him a shout of victory and a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Awesome. You can take your seats. He's God. I love that. So it doesn't matter how bad the world gets. God's always good. And God's with you. 
He's Emmanuel, God with us. Joseph prospered in every season. He prospered in the pit when his brothers betrayed him. He prospered as a slave in Potiphar's house. He prospered in the prison when he was forgotten. Then he prospered in the palace. Then he prospered as prime minister. Daniel prospered. Daniel was kidnapped, taken as a slave to Iraq. Prospered in Babylon under persecution. Prospered in the heart of a wicked culture. In the book of Acts, the more the church was persecuted, the more it grew and prospered. I want to encourage you. Jesus said, you will be persecuted for my namesake. Well, oh no, he hurt my feelings. 3 John 2 says this. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. About four, three and a half years ago, we, we took on a church in Hong Kong and, um, and uh, I'd served on the board of this church for seven years. A good friend of mine had been running it, pioneered it, and it's a great church. And, and uh, I said to our pastor, pastors on my team, they'd just come back from India. They planted a church in Mumbai. They got three kids. And um, I said, I want you to pray about going to Hong Kong. And they fasted and prayed and they really felt the Holy Spirit say, go. His wife had never been to Hong Kong. She had this vision. And then she looked it up on the internet and the vision she had was, well, that's the city I had a vision. So they took it as well. And then they started sharing with some of their pastor friends around the nation. They said, why would you go there? There's trouble in Hong Kong. Well, God's told us to go. Didn't say there wasn't going to be trouble. The safest place to be is in the will of God. And you know, right now, but there's troubles. There. A lot of people are leaving Hong Kong, but as they've gone to Hong Kong, they're coming with hope. They're preaching the gospel. And it doesn't matter where fear abounds, the grace of God can abound all the more. They're speaking faith, they're speaking love, and the church is prospering in a famine in that city. The word gira means lodging place. And I want to challenge you, you can prosper in a famine. It doesn't matter if we go into recession. It does matter, by the way. But we're not on that economy. Your business can prosper in an economic famine. You can buy a new house when all the media says you can't. Oh, you're never going to buy your first home. I'm telling you, we serve a miracle working God. He shall provide all our needs according to, not my riches, his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So stop listening to the prophets of doom. Get off Facebook book. That logarithm's taking you a place you do not want to go. Get into the word which brings faith, not fear, and dig a well in your life. Can I have an amen? Second thing, it's time to dig some wells. You'll have to fight and contend for your blessing. I won't read it for time's sake, but there's two wells they have a quarrel over. They have to fight and contend. One is called Esek, one is called Sitna. And, you know, just because God gives you a promise doesn't mean you're not going to have to contend for it. Just because God gives you a dream doesn't mean you're going to have to contend. You will have to contend for your blessing. You'll have to contend for your marriage. You'll have to contend for the future of your children. You have to go to war sometimes for family. You'll have to dig old wells and new wells for this church to go forward. But I want to tell you, sometimes, and it says in that scripture, when God blesses you, people cannot handle the favor. There will be criticism. There will be rejection. There will be slander. They cannot rejoice in your blessing. Esek means the place of argument, and Sitna means the place of hostility. Sometimes you think, oh, we may not be in the will of God. There's so much trouble. Maybe you're right in the center of God's will. There will be opposition to your marriage, your family. There will be opposition to the leadership call that is on your life. I want to encourage you. There will be opposition from unsaved family members. Opposition to your faith at university or your place employment. 
Opposition and persecution because you follow Jesus in the workplace. Opposition to your business as you represent the kingdom of God. Opposition to the dreams and visions God has given you. There will be opposition against this church sometimes and what we stand for, Jesus, Him crucified and Him risen. But Ephesians 6 says we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rules of this dark age. And Jesus said, don't be surprised when you're persecuted for my name's sake. There is a culture over every city. There is a culture over schools and universities. There is mindsets over states and nations. And that's why Christ, that's why the Apostle Paul says in the the epistles, we've got to fight over the thoughts and mindset, over poverty thinking, over materialistic thinking, over selfish thinking, over fleshly thinking, over lustful thinking over elitist thinking, over victimhood thinking, on and on it could go. Every day I've got to bring my thoughts into captivity under the mind of Christ and the Word of God. Romans 12 verse 2, you know this. Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know what really spoke to me about the wells of Essex that was hostility? Sometimes we, we live in a poverty mindset. And, um, but you know what I love about Isaac? He, he, you know when you've built something up and done all the effort and someone wants to take it from you, you want to fight over it? And so they, he, he dug the well and then other people said, no, it's our water, it's our well. But he didn't have a poverty mindset because he says, you know what, I've got a God that can find more water for me. He's given me a gift to dig wells and find water. You can have this well, bless you. I bless you. Then he goes to the second place. He digs a well, does all the hard work and all the water comes up. And then these people say, no, that's our water, that's our well. And he fights for it, has hostility. I'll bless you. And then he goes and digs in another. But I want to tell you, God's not a God of poverty. God's a God of abundance and overflow. I love this. I love the prayer of Jabez. It says 1 Chronicles 14, and Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. I love this. So God granted him what he requested. You don't want to encourage marriage couples here. Sometimes you can believe for other families, but you've got to believe for yourself. Sometimes it's easier to pray for someone else's provision and needs or miracles than yourself. And I want you to be selfish. I want you to go home this week sometime and get out a piece of paper, get out an iPad and write down things you're believing for, ready for next Sunday's goal-setting service for the future. But you will have to fight and contend for the blessings. In 2011, our church was on a great run of momentum and... Uh, we had a flood in Brisbane, if you remember that time. And uh, we had a three-story building in New Farm. And in the first night, the roof collapsed and our top two stories were full. Just, there was waterfalls coming down all the walls. And then by the third day, uh, there was a metre of water going through the church. So every part of the church had been... Um, and it was tough. It was right at the start of the year when you don't want things like that to happen. And I went to the insurance claim. And they said, oh, well, uh, we realised... We, we put in a $1.3 million insurance claim and they offered us the first week $200,000. And we had an emergency board meeting, so we're going to go broke if we do that. We'll go, literally go bankrupt. And because we didn't have a resolution, we were like spiritual refugees in the city. Every week, we were meeting in a different place. I think that year, we met in 18 different venues. And we just started losing people. Uh, our finances went down. Our crowd went down. It was just a really challenging... And it was an 18-month court case over the insurance claim. And I'm telling you, I was discouraged... I got real low and I, I was fighting this insurance company. I was doing this stuff. And then finally, after about 18 months, I was exhausted. The church was in a bad place. And I said, Lord, I don't know what else to do. And the Lord said, finally. 
Lord, I know what to do. <laughs> and, I, and, he, and I went to a conference. I remember it was in New Zealand and the Holy Spirit the first night just spoke to me and said, this is, how you, this is the way you get out of this. And I went back to the board and told them. I said, I think God spoke to me the way we can solve this problem. And they said, we're on board. I said, this is what we want. We want to, can you tell me how much we need to, to fulfill this? And they said, oh, Paul, if we had a, if we had a million dollars, we'd be okay. This is 18 months in. We could, we could get out of this hole. And I said, okay, well, this is what God told me. We need to tie the million, tithe on a million dollars. And you should have seen everyone's jaw dropped in the board meeting. I said, how much money have we got in the bank? We had $120,000. So I remember we wrote 10 checks. This is how old I was. We had checks back then. 10 checks to 10 different ministries that had blessed us. And within one week, we had a phone call. Hello, is this Paul Gilling? I said, yes, sir. I'm on your new insurance assessor. The old one's retired. And I can't believe we've been fighting this for 18 months. I'm on the Gold Coast. Could you drive down today? Would a million dollars be okay? We'd like to settle it today. I said, I'll be there right now. And you know what the key point was? In the middle of that time, we called the church to 14 days of prayer and fasting. It said, God, we don't know what to do. And we dug a well in prayer. Third thing is this. Time to dig some wells. Just because you're in a good place doesn't mean you're in God's ultimate place. Genesis 26, 22 says, and he moved from there and dug another well and they did not quarrel over it. So we called it Rehoboth because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. So they took a big deep breath. So much conflict. Rehoth means open space. It means good place. I don't know about you, but there's been times when I've been in battle because there's been things happening, health issues or financial issues or problems and and then God gives you a space of rest. It's awesome. And favor and blessing comes. And I'm telling you, enjoy that moment. But guess what? Let's not get so comfortable that when God says, dig another well, we're not ready for them. Because you know this, we say this to young people all the time, your first house is probably not your dream home. Your first job is probably not your dream job. You work over time. You're just thankful you got into the market. But God will give you seasons where you have rest and respite. That's a good thing. To rest is a good thing. But don't get comfortable because it may not be your ultimate destination. Enjoy the place you're in. Prosper, be blessed. But remember, it's God who orders your steps. Don't get so comfortable. God cannot challenge you to dig a new well for a new season. Just because you're in a good place does not mean that things you're in God's ultimate place. Things change. I say this to parents all the time. You will get out of the valley of the nappies. It's just a season. Your life's not over. You see families, young kids get to church. It's a miracle they made it in the car and got into the car park and into church. But that season's just a season. There's seasons in your life. I want to encourage you, C3 Powerhouse, don't get too comfortable here. This church is believing for a landmark facility on the Sunshine Coast. Don't get too comfortable. We need to plant more C3 Powerhouse locations around Australia and in the world. Can other musicians come? At the end of 2003... My wife and I were youth pastors and young adults pastors and children's pastors, and we're doing a whole lot of stuff at this church called Garden City in Brisbane. You may know it. And um, we loved it. We'd been there five years, and God had moved powerful. The youth ministry had grown from 1,000 to 1,000, and it was just powerful. We had 14 staff. I was running Youth Live Queens, and we just had our biggest ever rally, 13,000 people, 4,000 first-time decisions. I was running the Planet Shakers Conference. We just had Ryan Arbonne. We had 7,000 people at the conference, and I was an opportunity to travel around Australia, travel. It, life was awesome. It was fantastic. I was enjoying it so much. We were blessed. We were favoured. I'm like, I'm going to do this forever. I'm going to be youth pastor forever. 
And then one day, God spoke to me. It's like everything changed overnight. Plant a church. Plant a church? It's for old people. I want to be a youth pastor. It's more fun being a youth pastor. Young people actually do what you say. Adults don't. They argue with you. And God spoke to me and said, get 15 or 20 people and plant a church. But God, I've got 15 staff here. Get travel around the world. You want me to go from this big mega church to a cinema and plant? But you know, you can't be too comfortable that when God speaks you to dig a new well, you may be in a good place, but I want to encourage you, it's probably not God's ultimate place. And lastly, it's time to dig some new wells, powerhouse. Number four is this. You will eventually make it to your well of promise. Genesis 26, 32. And it came to pass in the same day Isaac's servants came and told him about the well which they had dug. They said to him, I love it now, Isaac's not even digging wells, just the people are digging wells. We have found water. So he called it Sheba. Therefore the name of the city is Bathsheba to this day. Sheba or Beersheba means this in Aramaic and Hebrew, means the well of oath, the well of promise. Or actually, it's defined as the well of seven. It was two principal wells and five smaller wells were dug in that season. It's a well of legacy. You know, you can go to Bathsheba right now, today, 2023, and the same well that Isaac and Abraham dug is still watering the city. That is a well of legacy. Thousands of years later, the same well is still bringing living water to the city of Beersheba. Thousands of years later. I thank God for this building. I thank God for those who have gone before us and given. But God wants us in this next season, Powerhouse, Melbourne and here in the Sunshine Coast, that we would dig a well that would be a legacy well. That people beyond our generation that will never know our names would say thank you for your grandkids, for the people that are yet to be saved that come into this church. It's time to dig some wells. C3 Powerhouse, there's greater wells to dig. Pastor John and Danielle, there's greater wells. There's generational wells. There's legacy wells that you have not tapped into yet. You've not discovered it. You think all the good things that you've done for the kingdom, you haven't come to your Bathsheba well, the seven times effectiveness well, the legacy well, the, the seven times anointing, that greater, 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 greater well has yet to be. I thank God for all the good seasons that have been in this church, but the, the, the legacy well is yet to be tapped. I want to be a part of that. The place of problems, the seven wells, the place of abundance, the place of overflow. What God has promised that you that you're contending for. So I want to encourage no matter how dark it gets, no matter how things happen in Asia and Ukraine and, and there's pandemics and what are the Bible says, there'll be rumors of war, there'll be earthquakes, there'll be famines, there'll be pestilence, but my time has not yet come. I want to encourage us. We should be the most positive people on the planet. There's so much negativity and fear out there, but when people walk in the doors of our church, we build them up with encouragement and with love. What has God promised you that you're contending for? Keep on sowing. Keep on digging. I'll finish with this. When uh, we were married 27 years ago, I think it was, the same, we got married the same day as Pastor John and Danielle, just in a different city. And... Um, I remember that time and um, it was in the mid-90s and it was an awesome wedding. We had it in our church at Adelaide at the time and fantastic. And, and uh, Joe's uncle, my wife's uncle, had come down for the wedding from Sunshine Coast. His name's Steve Penny. And, and at the end of the service, Pastor Russell Evans, who married us, he said, Pastor Steve, would you come and pray over the young couple? And 
Pastor Steve gave up and he gave us this prophetic word. And some of it was awesome. It was right there for and then with us in youth ministry. And, but then the last part of his word was a little bit weird. It was a bit mid-90s. He said, and Paul and Joe, I see you having a voice at the Olympics that will be broadcast to the nations. You're going to have a voice at the Olympics. So we went on a honeymoon to the Gold Coast like everyone in Adelaide does. Crime Coast, I really call it. And... Uh, Came back. The first day back, my senior pastor, Ashley, calls me into his office and says, why are you going to Sydney? I said, what are you talking about? So the Olympics are in Sydney in five years' time and you've got a prophetic word. You're going to... So I don't even know what Steve was talking about. I just put that prophetic word on the shelf. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm staying here in Adelaide. I'm the youth pastor. Don't fret. Don't worry. Never thought about it. Until in the middle of the pandemic, when our wonderful premier would come on each week and give us wonderful announcements about the restrictions... And I cannot say I was praising the Lord at the time. There was fruits of the Spirit coming from my mouth, but they weren't holy fruits, okay? And I remember I was getting angry and frustrated. And then she says this one line after she told us all these restrictions. She goes, and by the way, we've just won Brisbane, the Olympics for 2032. And bam, something came alive in my spirit. I thought, wow, we've got, we got, we got 10 years to get ready. Got, that, that word wasn't for the Sydney Olympics. That word was for this season coming up. We're, I'm believing by the time the Olympics come around, we don't have to go to the nations. All the nations are going to come to us. I'm believing that our church will be a lighthouse, will be a salt, will be a voice in the city, that that prophetic word 27 or 28 years ago will come to pass in 2032. So I'm digging a well right now for that word. So I want you to stand your feet in Melbourne, stand your feet here on the Sunshine Coast. I've gone 48 seconds over. We're going to pray. I want to encourage you. In Melbourne, you had the worst lockdown in the longest season. God's on the throne. Don't get political. Get spiritual. Get spiritual. Dig a well in the spirit. Prayer. Your life's not based upon the world's economy or the, the mindset of a state or a city. It's based on God's word. Get out. John on the island of Potmas got out of his flesh and into the spirit. Let's get into the spirit, not the flesh, man. Amen? Amen. I'm all over this place today. I feel the Holy Spirit challenging you. For some of you being in faith a long time, go back to the beginning and redig the wells of your father. What did you do at the beginning when you were saved? Simple things. There's other people here today, and it's time to contend for blessings and promises. You got children away from the Lord, contend for them in prayer. You love them a lot, but God loves them even more. They belong to the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of this world. And I believe there's going to be a faith rise up within you as a married couple for your grandkids and your kids. Say, God, they belong to you and begin to contend in prayer for them. For business owners today in Melbourne here in Sunshine Coast, doesn't matter what's happening in the economy, God can favour your business. Just like Joseph the slave was favoured in Potiphar's house, despite all the circumstances working against him, God's favour rested. I speak over your blessing, over your businesses, cash flow, release, contracts, miracles in the name of Jesus. But more importantly, in the ministry of business, God would give you faith to believe. Lord, we pray for Powerhouse Church. We're going to dig some wells in prayer. We're going to declare promises for the next decade. We're going to pray over our families. We pray for souls. Some of the devil's finest are going to become God's greatest disciples. We pray for backsliders and prodigal sons and daughters that come back home in this church, we pray, oh God. We're digging old wells and we're digging new wells, oh God. And we want to see our church prosper and go forward. And I thank you today. We haven't yet discovered the well of legacy, the, the, the Bathsheba well, the well of promise, Lord God. So we're going to keep on digging 
digging. We're going to keep on seeking. We're going to keep on asking in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. I want to stir up that faith within you today. In Melbourne, you can go to, uh, Ebony's going to take the service right now. But God bless you because you are Victorians and God's blessing you. Amen. God's going to prosper the state of Victoria. Amen. There's God's economy in the state of Victoria. We don't need any more Victorians coming to Queensland. We need some Victorians staying in Victoria and winning Victoria for Jesus. Amen. I just said that as a Victorian. 